I hope that you've had a good week this week. I hope that it's been a very beneficial week. It can be a crazy time with all the parties and all the things that happen, but uh, we're going to pause today to spend some time in the Word and to hear what God has to say. You know, this past, I shared with you guys the other day about how we had taken, uh, we were putting up the Christmas tree and I just had to take all the lights off and I had to put all new lights back on. You remember me telling that story for those of you last week for like five hours. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, so I, it was last week, my, my, uh, my, my daughter, they were having a Christmas party and, and, um, and so she pulls me aside as I went to pick her up and we're getting ready to leave. And she says, dad, you said, you see that Christmas tree? I said, I said, yeah, babe, I see it. She goes, now dad, that's a real Christmas tree. <laughs> Tomorrow's her birthday. No cake, no ice cream, no presents. Listen, if you were here last week, um, it's a privilege to be able to walk through the scriptures. And I I hope that you learned something last week as we were walking through uh, that that lineage that Matthew had given us. And, And we said last week there were some specific reasons that Matthew did that because, number one, he wanted to... Um, to make sure that we understood, he was trying to uh, to make sure that those that were reading knew that Jesus Jesus was from the bloodline of David. It was very important, and so he goes back and he goes to great strengths or great links to to validate who Jesus was and where he came from. And also, we we know because we know a little bit about Matthew that Matthew wanted us to to know that there was a specific reason that Jesus came, and he came for people just like those that were in his lineage, as well as Matthew himself. God didn't send his son to earth because it was convenient, but it was out of necessity to save us from our our sins. And here is Matthew, that hated, despised tax collector whose life was a mess, going back and recounting the lineage of Jesus, letting us know, regardless of where we had been or what we had done or what the world around us thought, there was hope that that invitation that had been given to Matthew that day to follow him is the same invitation that's given to every one of us, that regardless of where you've been or regardless of what you've done or what other people may think, there is hope. Now listen, if if you come to the place that you say that there's no hope, you're listening to the wrong person because that's a lie from the pits of hell where the devil himself lives. We celebrate Christmas because there is hope. There's hope. And listen, I don't know what you, what you, what you uh, came to, to grasp or, or know. If you've grown up in church, I, I don't really know what you, what you held on to, but I remember growing up in church thinking that if you, if you trusted Christ, you wouldn't have any problems. You with me? Anybody like that? You know, if you, if you went to church and you loved Jesus, no problems. Listen, that could be... F- could be so far, because if you walk with the Lord long enough, you know that adversity and difficult times will come. And, um, but what do you do? But what do you do when you profess Christ and you say that you're a follower of Christ and you face those difficult times? What do you do? What, what do you do when, when the adversity comes, when things aren't going your way? When all of a sudden life seems to cave in, 
When life isn't going as planned, when your friends turn your back on you, when they maybe ridicule you or make fun of you, what do you do as an adult when you get that unexpected bad health report or when your kids seem to be just going awry and walking away from the Lord? What what do you do in those times? Where do you turn? What do you do when, when you see report after report of people that you look up to, people who are supposed to be models of the faith fail? They falter. What do you do in those times? I want you to see something today because before Jesus was ever born, there were a group of people that held on and that were faithful and they continued to believe in spite of the opposition that they faced. There were some, matter of fact, there were many who abandoned the faith that they say that they believed. But there was a small group of people who continued to believe regardless. There was a small group of people who did not abandon their faith even though they felt like God had abandoned them. And they continued to press through. And what I want us to see today in in where we're going to go with with Matthew, I want to take a look at, at two characters within that story. And I want us to see how they how they responded in the midst of difficulty and circumstance. And really, I'm going to really focus in on one. But I want us to look at that because I think inside of this story, there's going to be some encouragement to those of us that are here because I know that there are some of you that have faced difficulty, are facing difficulty, or will face difficulty. And it's going to be easy to sit up and just to get up and turn around and run from the faith that you say that you have. But we're going to learn something today. There's some things we can learn inside of the story, the passage of Scripture that we're going to read, that I think maybe if we listen, we might find some hints of how we can endure during that time that can be so difficult. So I want to pray with you today as we begin, and then we're going to begin there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. So may we bow. Father, uh, what a blessing it is to come into this place and to spend some time reading your word, seeking to hear from you something within the word, something within the spirit that speaks to our hearts that will be, that will be an encouragement to us. Father, that will uh, bring truth to us so that we know exactly who you are and what you want us to do. Help us to learn something today, not by from, from what I say, but with the Spirit be Would the Holy Spirit be our teacher here in this place today? May the word, may it come alive, Father, as we read it. That's what I pray today. And I pray for the multitudes of people in and around us that are hurting, that are struggling, that are dealing with sickness, health issues, family issues. Father, would you be with them today? Make us very sensitive to those needs, especially at this time of year. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you read with me this morning as we begin in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18? And this is what the scripture has to say, and Matthew writes down for us. This is what he says. And this is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Can we talk just for a second about the issue of betrothal? Because inside of the culture in which we live today, it's very difficult maybe for us to understand what's taking place here, because you read and you go like, what's going on here? 
Betrothal was like a, an agreement usually between a couple of families where there was a, a binding agreement, a, a contract that was, that was written up, and a betrothal period here that we're talking about was a period that lasted for a season, usually around a, a year. And the betrothal that we're talking about, when, when they were betrothed, they were legally married, and yet they lived separately and apart until the ceremony which, which would take place. And so that's where we are in this time. These guys are legally married, yet they are not living together. They've not consummated the marriage yet because they're living separate and apart. So it was like a business transaction between two families that was personal, not a romantic choice. And when you think about that, an arranged marriage, some of us go, I just don't think so. Yet, if you're the parent of a teenager, it's a great idea. <laughs> it's a really good idea. I mean, have you ever looked at somebody your kids brought home and you go, I don't think so. <laughs> what are you thinking? I mean, it's a great idea. I mean, you laugh about it, but you think, I mean, and it's hard for us to understand, but you know, this practice is still being practiced in, in other places around the world. As a matter of fact, I have friends that, that, were, that had these arranged marriages. Pretty good deal if you, don't, if you don't understand it. But here it was, a betrothal was a binding agreement to get out of the betrothal, you would have to get an official divorce. Well, here we find Mary and Joseph in the middle of this, this engagement period. Oh, my goodness gracious. And Mary shows up and announces to Joseph, she's pregnant. What in the world? Man, wouldn't you like to have been a fly on the wall when that conversation took place? Mary tells Joseph she's pregnant. And I have no earthly idea what's going on in Joseph's mind Especially knowing that he wasn't the daddy. Matthew says Joseph was a righteous man. He had to be a good man. Because instead of disgracing her publicly, which could have easily been done, he decided to divorce her quietly. Here he is with the future bride that he had committed his life to, that he had trusted, probably already sent out invitations through social media, by the way, when the wedding was going to be. Because that's what you do these days. You save the date. You send out invitations. And, and, and all of a sudden, this takes place. And in the midst of the shock of what was going on, and just hearing what she said, look at what he goes on, what he goes on to say. And as he considered this, divorcing her, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she'll have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary and his wife, but did not have sexual relations with her until after the son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. And so here we have an account of the birth of Jesus, God's son, and I have no earthly idea why God would choose to do things the way that he did, because it just doesn't make any sense, does it? I mean, we can't put it together, but since when did God start asking us for advice? And here it is, and as I read across the accounts of the birth of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke, it wasn't like there was this media day, listen, that everybody was up to date. Hey, guys, we just want to let you know, Mary, listen, she's pregnant, not by Joseph, no, I don't go there, but by the Holy Spirit. 
Didn't happen that way. Here's Mary and Joseph with this, this information. And what would they do with it? How in the world would they defend the reputation? I mean, here's the teenage girl that everybody thought was sweet and she was innocent. But now she's pregnant. And for Joseph to marry her, for those not knowing what was going on, it, was to, it would appear that he was confessing that the baby was, was hit. See, you, you can put this together, can't you? Because you've been there in, inside of our culture. We know exactly what it's like. I mean, here, this, this young man, this woman that has pledged himself to one another, and it seems as if they did not wait to consummate the marriage. And now there's the news of this unexpected pregnancy. We have no idea the dynamics that were going on. But it was not a good place. Matter of fact, it was probably very confusing, very difficult, very overwhelming. I mean, just think about the questions and the fears from both sides. Yet, how would they respond? How do you respond when you've got the questions and you've got the fears? How do you respond when things don't make sense? How do you respond? in those times of adversity. And I want us to see something today because I want to take a look at Joseph specifically and how he responded. Because I think there's some things that we can learn from this that will help us in those times that we embark or come upon those times of adversity. And these aren't in any specific order, but you can write these down. Start off with this first one, if you would, please. Faith and trust. Faith and trust. Write that down. And hear what I'm telling you, because Mary and Joseph risk everything because they believed the impossible had taken place. You know, it makes me think about my own relationship with the Lord and in the times of difficulty that I faced or my, my call to ministry. The times that, that I have walked through and that I, my, the questions that I've had. I, I, I think about the missionaries like Willie and and Emily and others around the world that have, that have given their life to move away from the comforts of, of home so that others may come to know the gospel. I think about multitudes of missionaries around the world like, like we are giving to to Lottie Moon, that Lottie Moon Christmas offering that will be spread out to have an impact and many encouragement in their lives. Those people that have picked up their families, they've moved. And you know why they moved? Because they believed the impossible. That's why they moved. It wasn't because they were religious people. It was because they believed the impossible. That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was born of a virgin, conceived through the power of the Holy Spirit. And 33 years later after being born, he would be crucified on a cross. He would be placed in a tomb and he would be raised to life three days later. See, see, those of us that profess Christ, those of us that say that we're Christ's followers, what we're saying is that we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And what we say is that we choose to follow Christ so that the world may come to know. But don't make 
no mistake here. I mean, don't, don't, don't mistake what I'm saying just because you don't have to go to the foreign mission field to believe the impossible. And you don't have to go to the foreign mission field to have an impact in the lives of people and to be on mission. I mean, I know multitudes of people around that are professing followers of Jesus Christ. And they're actually living on mission. Make note of what I'm about to say, because this is really important. And I want to throw this out here. Our faith that we say that we profess will never survive the long haul or endure the crisis along the journey if we don't believe the impossible is true. You will never endure in your faith journey if you don't believe the impossible is true. It'll never happen. In those times that those questions come, you'll walk away from your faith if you don't believe the impossible is true. We have to believe it. See, this is what I know. When you don't believe the impossible is true, you will find it difficult to offer forgiveness for those who have hurt or betrayed you. True? Yeah. Just attending church or participating in religious activities will never be enough to sustain us during the times of questions and adversity. It just won't happen. It's impossible. And we read the story surrounding the birth of Christ, and and it's easy. But we cannot miss the faith and trust that Mary and Joseph would have had to exhibit, exhibit during this season that would have been so overwhelming. And yet, despite the odds, they would stay the course. We say this often, and you know it. There is no faith until it's been tested. But to stay the course, you've got to believe the impossible. Write this down, self-denial. Self-denial. I'm going to see if you catch on to this. I caught on to it pretty quickly. Verse 24 and 25, when Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relationships with her until after her son was born. So here's Matthew telling us that, that Joseph, while trying to figure out what in the world to do or how to handle this issue of his future wife showing up pregnant, he says, an angel appeared and spoke to Joseph and explained to him what was going on. And it says here that Joseph did as the angel commanded him and took Mary as his wife. And instead of divorcing her, he took her in and married her. And you know as much as I do. Part of the marriage relationship, the joy of the relationship is sexual intimacy. And yet Matthew goes to tell us that that did not happen until after Jesus was born. You with me? The guys are smiling. The women are like going, what? I mean, that's what he said. You may not think this is very important, but it's a big deal. And I bet Joseph did as well. Because here we find Joseph not only being faithful during the betrothal period, but even after he took Mary to be his wife, he continued to wait to consummate the marriage. We know it eventually did because Jesus had some half-brothers and sisters. The scripture tells us that. And he lists the names of the brothers, not the sisters, even though we know that they were there. I don't know about you, but that period must have been really tough. Difficult. When we choose to, to follow Jesus... Sometimes we'll be required to sacrifice the things that we desire or enjoy the most. I mean, let's just think about sexuality for a second. Can we do that? You guys are uncomfortable, aren't you? Let's talk about that because, see, when I was growing up, we didn't really talk about sexuality an awful lot inside of the church. As a matter of fact, there were things that were happening, you just didn't talk about it. 
You with me? And, and, and we, we didn't see sexuality being promoted, and yet it was participated in. But think about the world we live in now. It's not only promoted, it's encouraged. Sex before marriage, not that big of a deal. Living together, cohabitating together, not that big of a deal. Not only in the world in which we live, but it's also infiltrated inside of the church. It's not right. It's not what the scripture has to say. But today, both sex before marriage and living together not only seems to be accepted outside, but also inside as well. And you've got this pressure from the culture. Why in the world get married if you don't have to make a commitment, yet you can enjoy the benefits? See, we see the statistics today. For the last 10 years, do you know that the divorce rate has been going down? Can you believe that? Isn't that something to be excited over? Until you realize why they're going down. More people are living together, yet not being committed to one another. It's not an oh wow, it's an oh me. And yet here's Joseph, in spite of the unknowns and the questions, now legally married and having every right, yet Matthew makes it a point to tell us that Joseph waited. Joseph, he waited. He denied what was natural because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And that's a challenge. Not just a profession of Christ, but being changed into the likeness of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't tell me that that wasn't on Joseph's mind as a young man. I know it was. Believe it with all my heart, but he waited. And what he was doing is he was moving forward. He was growing in his faith and trust. And in those times of us growing, we're going to have to figure out the way to be able to, to, to sidestep the feelings that we may have to hold on to the truth. It, was, it would be Jesus himself a little bit later on that Matthew would record the words that would go on to say, anyone who wants to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That whoever, whoever wants to, to hold on to his life will lose it, but whoever gives up his life for my sake will, will gain it. Write this one down also. Willingness to embrace the inconveniences. In verse 19, Joseph, it says, her fiancé was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Think about it for a moment. I want you to think about how much Mary's pregnancy would complicate Joseph's life. Again, we have no idea the amount of chaos that was taking place. The conversations, the accusations, the insinuations, the desire to want to justify on our behalf when we're wrongly accused. What do you mean you're getting married now? I thought, I thought you guys were saying you're going to get married down the line. What, why now? Is there something wrong? Something taking place? Something you need to... To tell her, I mean, I thought you guys had a date set. Choosing to obey the Lord will rarely mean business as usual. And there will be times that you'll have to endure the accusations. 
you will, as a follower of Christ, have to endure and you will encounter oppositions. And in those moments, you're just going to have to be willing to embrace the inconveniences. In other words, what I'm saying here is, is when you choose to follow Christ, the lifestyle of, of fun and games may be there. It may not be also. But rarely following Jesus will be a lifestyle of convenience. Matter of fact, you're probably going to have to go out of the way that what's the direction that you really want to go. You know, when I talk to people over the years about service and serving, it's amazing. I never, I never hear um, the words convenience mentioned. As a matter of fact, I'll hear sometimes, you know, I just don't have time or I don't have, I don't have the energy. But we don't serve. A believer, a follower of Christ doesn't serve because it's convenient. They serve because they're compelled. They can't wait. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were sharing with me. It's an older person, a little bit older than me. And they, they got to telling me about how, how much they enjoyed working with, with children over the years. And I said, well, I said, well, why in the world aren't you working with them now? And they said, man, I would love to, but I just can't get on my, down on my knees like I used to and play with the kids because I can't get up. And uh, I thought, well, maybe we can get you some leave or something that would help out. And that would... <laughs> But you know what? We didn't have to, nobody had to twist his arm to serve. Not at all. And he was compelled to serve. He wanted to serve. But when we serve, we have to be willing to embrace the inconvenience. As Steve will often say when training people to go on the mission field, see, there's, there's some words that you say, and they're what? Be flexible, be flexible, be flexible. Because that's what the Christian life is about. You're going to have to be flexible from time to time. I was uh, talking to some missionaries the other day that are on the field. And, and uh, if you know anything about this area in which they serve, it's been up under a lot of unrest lately. And, um, and in the midst of the conversation, they were, just, uh, they were just going through a time where they had blocked off the street in front of where they lived. They, they had set some tires on fire. They had made a barricade and wouldn't let people through. And at that moment in time, there were people that were fleeing from that area to move into their house to avoid the gunfire. There are going to be those times that when we have to embrace the inconveniences. I mean, I know families that have moved overseas to foreign lands to serve the Lord, and they've chosen to give their lives um, for serving Jesus. I know people that have stayed here. Man, listen, they've chose to to to, to to, to be an influence for Jesus Christ because they've opened up their home to foster and adopt the children while sacrificing time and energy to care for those many times that would have been displaced or forgotten. I know people that go out of their, play, go out of their way in the workplace to build intentional relationships so they have the opportunity to share, share Christ, but that's not always going to be convenient. But if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, we're going to have to be willing to embrace the inconveniences. Where did Joseph find the strength? Where did he find the strength to live? Where did he find the strength to live out this faith that he was holding on to? Where did he, where did he find that, that stamina to stay the course, to not walk away, to not quit? Because to hold on, there has to be a motivation. To hold on, there has to be something that, that keeps you on course. 
It's like the story of a, of a guy who's on a plane, and they're already up in the air, and as they're up in the air, the stewardess, she's, she's coming by with these packs, and uh, she walks to this guy, and she says, sir, would you please take this backpack? And she said, would you put it on, and would you keep it with you during the remainder of this flight? And the guy's like going, listen, lady, I ain't got, I don't want to take, what backpack? Forget this stuff. And if you're like me, you don't have a lot of room left in the seat. And the guy says, ma'am, I, I don't really want to hold this. Here, you can have it back. And she says, no, you don't understand. She said, uh, this is really important. He says, ma'am, listen, I, I really don't have a place for it. Would you just have it back? She says, no, you don't understand. She said, this isn't just a backpack. She said, but this is also a parachute. And you're going to need it. Sort of changes the way you look at it, doesn't it? All of a sudden, the backpack, regardless of how inconvenient it may have seemed to begin with, becomes doable, especially when you know the circumstances. And don't miss this. There are those times when life can not only be painful, but also unbearable. However, when we understand the why behind the inconvenience, it takes that which is painful and makes it bearable, if that makes sense. I mean, you take an Olympic athlete. I mean, they train, they take their body to the farthest of places, they push their body to the limit, to which most of us would say, that's ridiculous. Why in the world would you do something like that? And yet they continue to strain in the midst of the pain because they're headed someplace. Because of the hope and anticipation of what lies ahead. So where does the strength to endure where does the strength to endure and perseverance in our faith journey come from when we face those times of opposition? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and I want you to take a look at a couple things. And here we are in Matthew 1, 23. It says, there's a word there. Uh, what does it say in your Bible? What does it say in look? You probably have behold or look. Today it may be something like this, like check this out. You're not going to believe this. You can't miss this. I had a conversation with my insurance agent a couple of years ago. Some of you know the story. I said, look, man, I said, you ain't going to believe this. He said, what? What happened now? What story you got? The bear got in Meredith's car and had a party. <laughs> I said, man, you got to see it. Because seeing is believing. And here he's, here he's saying, look, or behold, look, the virgin will conceive a child. Look, you got to see this. Don't miss it. She's going to give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And write this down. How do we endure? You understand the promise is kept. These words are actually from a quote from the Old Testament where Isaiah is writing himself. It was a prophecy. It was a prophecy that was written to King Ahaz, who was a terrible king around 700 B.C. before. I mean, he was a terrible guy. This is the guy that nailed the, the, uh, he, he nailed the doors of the temple shut. He closed them up. He was a terrible guy. And here it was, the Assyrians had defeated the northern the kingdom, and they're on their way down to the southern kingdom to defeat King Ahaz. And Ahaz was wicked, and he could have went to the Lord and prayed, but he refused to. He didn't want anything to do with it. And even though Ahaz refused to pray to God, God sent the prophet Isaiah to speak to him. And he goes to him and he says, listen, 
I want you to understand that even though the Assyrians are going to come, they're not going to defeat you. But what God was going to do is he was going to keep a promise that he had made to Abraham back 1,300 years prior. And even though Ahaz didn't deserve it, even though he didn't want to hear it, God was the one that was calling the shots. And here is Isaiah the prophet telling Ahaz that God was going to protect Judah and he was going to give him a sign. And he said, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And at that point in time, 700 years before this child was ever born, Ahaz thoughts, well, it's going to happen now. Now listen, God's going to bring to life the meaning of what Isaiah the prophet prophesied, but it did not happen then. It did not happen then. But it wouldn't be the fact that a young girl would conceive, but a virgin would conceive. A young lady who had never known a man would conceive and give birth to a son. And Isaiah is listening to Isaiah. Ahaz is listening to Isaiah the prophet, thinking about the present and that God's going to rescue them from the Assyrians. But God wasn't talking about then. He was talking about the future, the deliverance of all enemies. And here is Joseph recognizing the faithful of God in the midst of this, that God is a promise keeper, that the promise that had been made years ago had now come to pass. And that even though many had abandoned their fate, God had not abandoned them. And Joseph learned firsthand that God always keeps his word. And just as God kept his word then, he also keeps his word today. And for those of us that may be facing a time where life is spinning out of control, and man, you're struggling, you don't know what to do or where to go. And there's questions and there's, and there's, uh, there's issues that are going on. You can trust that God is a promise keeper. And he's got his hand on it. How many times do do good people go through terrible times and circumstances? And we cry out and we say, God, where are you in the middle of this this mess? Because if you loved me, you would have never allowed this kind of stuff to take place. And today, I am reminded that it was a virgin that conceived. And she just didn't conceive, but she gave birth to the Son of God a baby born who would eventually be crucified for the sins of the world. I mean, think about how many times we base our our faith on feelings and on the circumstances around us. I mean, just think about, and all of a sudden our faith is up and it's down and it's up and it's down. And instead of the truth of the gospel, we, man, here's a good God. He's, man, he's good today. Man, he's a bad God today. Let me tell you something. God's always good. And he's not only good some of the time, he's good all of the time. All the time, God is good. Now, this probably never happens in your house, but it does in pastor's houses, okay? Where the father may say something or the mother may say something and the children have no clue why in the world you would do what you would do. You ever been there? They don't understand the decision you may make, and they may disagree with you. But our faith should not be based on the presence of what we're going through at that moment in time, whether or not we feel that God is living up to the expectations or the truth. But we must go back to the Scripture and remember, look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's how we can endure. God's with us. 
I don't understand it, but God is with us. I know that. He's a promise keeper. Also write this down, great name. See, there were two names we've seen here so before. One was Jesus, the other is Emmanuel. Jesus, which means Yeshua, Jehovah saves, God saves. Emmanuel, which means God with us. And here within these two names, Joseph described, he discovered a picture of, of God in his glory. Jesus, God saves. Emmanuel, God is with us. Fully man, fully God. Fully man, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And it would be Jesus, the Son of God, in the flesh that would die for us as a sacrifice for our sins. To pay the price that we could not pay. And he could only do that because he was fully man. But he was also fully God. And as God, he's the only one who could save us. And it gave Joseph the strength to stay the course. I mean... We look at the birth of Jesus and we, and we compare it to what we might experience today. Guys, listen, it was not peace on earth, goodwill towards men. It wasn't Christmas lights. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't hot chocolate and sitting around the fire. It was a time of chaos. It was a time of questions and difficulty. There was pain. There was hurt. And there was confusion and there was doubt. And yet Mary and Joseph stayed, they stayed the course. I want you to see something. Turn over to the book of Matthew, uh, in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Because here's Matthew using the same Greek word to end his book as he starts out with. It's that word, edu which means to behold or look. The NIV uh, uses the word, or NLT uses the word low. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Don't miss this. Pay attention. Be careful. Listen to what I'm telling you. And listen to what he says there in verse 20. Low. Don't miss it. Look. Be careful. Low, I am with you. Who's with us? Emmanuel. That's who's with you. God is with us even until the end of the age. Matthew begins and ends with the thought, look, Emmanuel, because God is with us. And because God is with us, we can endure those times of difficulty, those times of suffering. We can persevere in our faith even in those midst of false accusations and inconveniences because we know that God is there. Jesus would make the sacrifice worthwhile. I heard it said one time, and you can write this down if you've got a place, if we aren't in love with the treasure, we will struggle to endure the sacrifice. That's deep. You need to hold on to that. If we aren't in love with the treasure, we will struggle to endure the sacrifice. If you look in Matthew chapter 13, there are some parables that deal with uh, Jesus teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And he said that, that it, was, it was like a treasure that is hidden in a field that a man discovers. He rehides the treasure. He goes out to sell everything so he can purchase the field. So let's put it into contemporary terms. Walking along a path through a vacant lot, all of a sudden... 
trip on something, bend down to look, and it's a box. And in that box is filled with all kinds of precious stones and gems, gold, rubies, diamonds. God doesn't call anybody, but he covers it back up. He goes out, he, he gets on the internet, he finds out who owns that piece of property, does everything he can to try to catch up. Finally, he gets him on the phone. Hey, man, listen, I want to come by and see you. Sure, come by and see me. He goes by to see him and he says, look, man, I don't know what you do on that piece of property over there. He said, but I'd sure like to buy it. Well, listen, it's not for sale. Um, you don't understand, I'd really like to buy that piece of property. Well, it's not for sale. Listen, uh, man, I'll do anything to buy that piece of property. Just give me a price. The guy gives him some exorbitant price that he knows that he would never, ever, ever agree to. And the guy said, sold, I'll take it. And he goes home and he sells everything that he has just so he can buy the piece of property. And then Jesus goes on to use a couple of words that we would never use to describe a person who was selling everything that he had. And he uses the words in his excitement. Or in his joy. Because the joy of what he was obtaining far outweighed any possession that he would be losing. See, see the excitement of gaining the treasure made the loss of everything else inconsequential. And what Jesus does is he brings these thoughts together. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The Christian life is simultaneously a great joy, yet also deep pain. Joy because of the treasure that we've discovered as followers of Christ. Painful because we know that to gain the treasure, we will have to sacrifice everything. If we lack the ability to sacrifice it's not because we lack self-discipline. It's not because we lack control. But what we need to do is increase our joy. Because when joy is present and our eyes are on Emmanuel, God with us, the sacrifice doesn't seem or the inconvenience doesn't seem is overwhelming. Which leads to this thought. How many of us struggle or are struggling to endure the journey because we don't understand the value of the gift that was born. That's deep, isn't it? We don't know a lot more about Joseph. We know a little bit, but there's not a lot more that's written. As a matter of fact, by the time Jesus comes, Jesus comes around, he, he, he grows older. We, we just don't know that much about him. Um, But he was faithful, and he endured. Just, just the last question. What would have happened if Joseph would have quit? What happens if that day that Joseph would have listened to his buddies and said, you need to divorce her. She's no good. She double-timed on you, man. You need to get out of that. Joseph didn't do that. What, have what would have happened if he would have followed the advice of his buddies? What happened if he would have listened to his feelings? What if he would have divorced Mary and ended up marrying somebody else? Might have had a successful carpentry business. 
Might have had a couple of big chariots, you know. A nice home. But you know what? He would have missed Jesus. We can be successful in life and miss Jesus. We can celebrate the Christmas season and miss Jesus. To walk with him, to hold on to our faith, we must endure. We must persevere. But the treasure, it's worth it. It's worth it. Father, I pray today that as we walk out these doors, that we would recognize the significance of what Matthew was teaching us and telling us through these scriptures. Again, I'm reminded that Matthew is telling us the significance of the birth of Christ from his perspective based on his sinful condition when he met Jesus. And Matthew wants us to know that there's hope regardless, but we got to hold on. We got to endure. Father, would you speak to the depths of our heart in the midst of the word? And Father, would you continue to be our great teacher? Father, would you help us to, 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 to hold on to uh, and understand the, the greatness of the treasure of who Jesus is? And in those times of difficulty, it would spur us on to not give up but endure. For the person that may be here today that is, that is on the verge today, I pray that this would give them encouragement to hold on. For the person that's here today that doesn't know Christ or has never trusted Christ, even today, Father, would it be the day that they may say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. As we go throughout this week, may we be reminded of the significance of the treasure. And may it cause us and prompt us to want to be ever faithful and committed to the mission of telling others about the true gift of Christ and his love. Bless us as we go out this week. May we be faithful followers of your, yours as we live out of heritage of faith within our community so that uh, others may come to know around the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.